morning, um, I thought we'd just have a conversation, actually. I just want to have a bit of a chat. Is that okay? I want to be real. I want to just talk about something that's been on my mind. And um, it's, it's going to, who knows what's going to happen this morning. <laughs> it's a wee bit unscripted, actually. But anyway, we'll see what God wants to do. But I have been thinking about um, this concept of tension lately. Now, tension in the dictionary is, uh, it's, the dictionary definition is that it's a strange state or condition resulting from forces acting in opposition to each other. In other words, you know, you've got this pull on this side, you've got this pull on that side, and in the middle it creates this tension. And I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I feel like life is full of tension. I feel like I'm living in a lot of tension. And, um, you know, it's a struggle, it's a battle. In fact, to be honest with you, this is just being really honest, like sometimes I, I really do feel like I have two personalities going on. You know, there's this, this one side of me that is passionately in love with Jesus and I'm following him and I'm, I'm so into the word and in prayer, I'm excited, I'm full of faith, I'm full of hope. But there's this other Jody that sometimes just struggles to make it through the day, that questions things in faith, that struggles and that finds it hard to find that, that breakthrough moment in God. And it's like these two sides of me that I'm continually fighting against. On Sunday, it's great. Man, I have the best day. Sunday's my favorite day. I, I'm here, I'm into it, I'm feeling God's presence, I'm feeling His anointing, I'm hungry for more of Him, and it's awesome. And then I don't know what happens between Sunday night and Monday morning, but it's kind of like Holy Spirit to holy moly or something. Like, you know, you wake up and you're just like, what? What happened? Where's God? You know, and, and it can be a bit like that. It's this, it's this wrestling and it's this tension that we call life. But what I've discovered is that it's in the tension that it pushes me to God that it drives me to my knees, that it makes me wanna seek out the word and, and, and lay a hold of those scriptures. It wants, makes me wanna run to prayer meetings because I wanna meet with God, I need God because I'm, I'm fighting and I'm, I'm not sure how to cope and I need God in the middle. And that's what I wanna talk about today. So um, before we start, let's just pray. Eh? Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into this place, into this conversation. I pray that it would be just a time where we talk together and that you show us something new. You show us something fresh. You give us something to hold on to. I pray for every person here that finds themselves in the middle of tension. Would you just strengthen them and encourage them today? Take us a little bit deeper in you. Show us a new side of yourself, we pray, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, there is tension in life. And there is also tension in the text, in the Word of God. We find this book is full of tension. As we look at the characters, their lives are full of tension. As we look at verses, sometimes they can be full of tension, and we struggle to quite understand um, what's always going on. And so I wanna give you a few examples of tension that we find in our Christian faith. It's when we know that God can do it, but we live in the tension of wondering how and when He's gonna come through, right? It's the tension of knowing that God is more than able, but to accept that sometimes his answers are different to the prayers that we pray. Yeah. It's the tension of knowing that heaven is our home, but we live in a very real, very painful, and very broken world right here, right now. We know that he's the God of miracles, but can we still live in that hope when the miracle didn't happen? 
On the one hand, we have the faith to believe. On the other hand, we don't wanna believe because we don't wanna be disappointed. We know that all we need is found in Jesus and yet we struggle to come to this place of satisfaction and contentment and finding what we need in Him. We know that in Christ we've been set free, but yet we still struggle with chains and addictions that we've not yet managed to break. We know that we're fighting against principalities and powers, not against people, but yet we live with these real people that are really annoying and really difficult, right? It's this thing called life and it's this thing called tension. It's the tension of forgiveness but not forgetfulness. It's the tension of I know God can and will do it. I believe that he's going to, but will I still serve him even if he doesn't? And that's the question that I really wanna land on today and end with. But there is tension in the text. It's called life, it's called faith, and it's called trust. And there's three parts of tension that I just kind of wanna uh, look at or allude to, I guess, as we, as we go through a couple of characters in the Bible. The first one is the tension of what our flesh wants uh, versus what our spirit wants, right? This is a war that is ongoing for our entire lives. We have this pull of the world, but this pull of God, and we're constantly in the in-between. And then the second tension is the tension of the present, of what we find ourselves in right now, and the promise, what we believe that God's gonna do, what he's spoken to us, the calling, the destiny, but there's, you know, this is where we are, this is where we wanna be, and it's that tension. And then the final part of tension is faith. It's the faith that, okay, we've got this faith, but can we still have the same faith even if we don't get the breakthrough, even if we don't get the answer, even if it doesn't work out how we hoped? And these are the tensions that we're struggling throughout our lives. Now, in the Bible, there's so many characters that are full of um, this tension that they have to manage and figure out how they're gonna live with. But I wanna take us to three heroes of the faith today, and I'll try and rush through them because I always have way more that I wanna say than what we've got time for. But the first one I just wanna touch on is Abraham. He is the father of our faith. Now Abraham, um, he, God calls him and he leaves everything, he trusts God, he follows him into a land that he doesn't even know about. And early on in Abraham's life, God gives him a promise and he says, this land that you see, it's all gonna be yours. It's gonna be yours and your descendants forever. And your descendants are gonna be like the dust of the earth. And so he has this great promise. But years and years go by, and Abraham and Sarah don't have any children. A lot of things happen in those years, and Abraham has an incredible relationship with God. But you know, Abraham, at one point, God shows up to him again, and he's kind of like, well, how is this gonna happen? And God reassures him, don't worry, you're gonna have a son. You're gonna have this child. But years and years continue to go by, decades go by, and Sarah starts to get a bit impatient, and she's getting old, and so she thinks, I'm gonna help God out. And uh, she tells her husband, Abraham, hey, why don't you sleep with my maid, Hagar, and that's gonna be how we're gonna have this son. And so Abraham did, and, and they had a, uh, him and Hagar had the son called Ishmael, what a mess. What tension, honestly, it, it, all turned, it all turned to custard. And uh, anyway, Abraham, um, in the end, they sent Hagar away and they sent Ishmael away. And so they've messed up the plan. And they're in this moment where they must have wondered, oh man, is it, what, what do we do now? Like we messed up God's plan. He promised us we made it happen on our own, now what? But God is so faithful. Yeah. Even in the middle of their mess, he turned up to Abraham again and he said, no, you're gonna have a son. And um, actually, your wife is pregnant. And now Sarah is 90 at this point. She laughs, she doesn't even believe it. But she's pregnant and lo and behold, nine months later, they have a son, they have Isaac, the promised child. 
Well, all is going well, and some years pass, and then the unthinkable happens. God asks the unimaginable. This son, this son that all their destiny and promise and hope is in, God comes to Abraham and he says, hey, I want you to sacrifice him on the altar to me. I want you to burn him. What do you do in that moment? What do you do when you know that this is the fulfillment of the promise? This is, the, the, this is how the seed's gonna come. This is how we're gonna see the outworking and yet God is asking me to give him up. Can you imagine the faith but the, the fear in that moment? But I love Abraham. The Bible says he doesn't even hesitate. He gets up early the next morning and he takes Ishmael and he goes up the mountain. Now, I mean, sometimes I wonder, like, what was the conversation with Sarah like? Did he even tell her? Like, I don't know how that went down. But anyways, he goes up and he says to the guys with him, he says, okay, you guys stay here. Isaac and I are going up and we will return. We're gonna go worship God, we're returning. He had so much faith. He believed that God was gonna provide the lamb. Well, it, it gets to the point where he actually has to put Isaac on the altar and he's literally holding the knife, ready to kill Isaac because in his heart, he still believes even if he has to kill this promised son that God will raise him back to life. That's the extent of his faith. In the middle of this tension, there's incredible obedience and trust. And just as he's about to kill Isaac, God intervenes and he says, no, 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 stop. Here's a lamb, don't worry about it. Now I know that you haven't withheld anything from me. You've given me everything. And the Bible says that God blessed Abraham. He blessed everything that he did. And all the promises that God had spoken came to pass. But in that moment of tension, we see trust, we see obedience. And you know, it's, it's not always easy to understand. I mean, Abraham must have thought, why would you test me that way, God? What are you doing? Like, why? And yet in the middle of that, God works, and Abraham's known as a friend of God, and if you go back and look at the story, there's this incredible relationship, this amazing dialogue between him and God, and there's this friendship that's developed through trust, through obedience, through learning to live in this tension of the promise, but what do I do in the meantime? And then we move a little bit further in the Bible, we go to Jacob. Jacob is um, Abraham's grandson. Now Jacob is an interesting one, he is, um, he is a, a real character, and uh, he is born a twin, and he spends his life in sibling rivalry with his brother Esau, and he's got two streaks that dominate his life. He's a deceiver, he's crafty, he's sneaky, he's a cheater, but he also has this spiritual hunger. He has this quest for spiritual things, and so all his life, there's these, these two sides to him, and, and there's this tension going on, and, and his deceptive side really gets him into a lot of trouble. In fact, because of that, he ends up having to leave home because he stole Esau's birthright, he stole the blessing, he really messed up the family dynamic, so he's on the run, and he goes to this place called Haran, where he joins his uncle Laban, who is equally deceptive. So, you know, it all kind of comes back around to poor old Jacob, and, and he's in between this tension his whole life, and while he's in Haran, he comes and he, he literally has nothing but the shirt on his back when he arrives. 20 years later, he leaves an incredibly wealthy man. Well, while he's there, we know the story, he, um, he, he deceives Jay, um, Laban many times and he, he creates all this wealth, but he falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel, and um, so he wants to marry her, and Laban says, yeah, 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 that's fine, and gets to the wedding night, and, and Laban tricks him, right, and he ends up with Leah. And so he has to work another seven years to marry the girl of his dreams, Rachel. And so this guy, he ends up with two sisters as, as his wives. I mean, I think that's rookie mistake right there, mate. Like, <laughs> not a good plan. 
Not a good plan. Um, and, and honestly, there's a lot of tension going on. I mean, these two sisters, they're, they're after his love. They want to have his kids. There's this rivalry. And it's all happening. It's a big mess, really. There's just all this tension. And in the middle of this, um, Jacob decides he's going to leave home. He's going to leave Laban. And he's going to go and he's going to reconcile with his brother Esau. It's been 20 years, but he wants to put things right. Because this side of him, the spirit side of him, is drawing him. It's pulling him. And so he leaves everything. And even in the leaving, there's all all this drama and tension. And, and anyway, it gets to the point where he comes to this brook and he sends, he sends his family over, he sends all his stuff over and he's left alone. And in this moment, there, along comes a man and he wrestles with this man, the Bible says, until daybreak. And, and he says those famous words, you'll all remember them. He says, the man says to him, hey, let me go. And, and he touched the, the socket of his hip and his hip went out of joint. And he says, let me go. And Jacob says, no. I will not let you go until you bless me. And the man blesses Jacob and he actually gets a new identity. But I kind of want to come to this point where we look at this wrestle for a moment because it's in the wrestle that God does some amazing things. So I have asked a couple of the boys, Ivan and his boys are gonna come up and they're gonna demonstrate a little bit for us um, what the wrestle looks like. They're gonna do tug of war. Um, now, I've, I'm pretty sure that the wrestle was more maybe an arm wrestle or some kind of like in the, in the ring wrestle, I don't know. But for the sake of this illustration, we're gonna look at um, tug of war. And we're gonna have two sides, right? Now, Genesis 32 verse 28 says, uh, the Bible says that, that God said to Jacob, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and prevailed. Now this is the tension of life. We struggle with God because sometimes we struggle with our faith. We struggle to believe. We struggle to live unreservedly for God, right? We struggle to trust in the promises. And then we struggle with men. We struggle with people that let us down and that hurt us and that abuse us and confuse us and, and we struggle and we wrestle and we've got these two sides going on. It's the tension of life. Um, and I wanna, I wanna just kinda illustrate this a little bit. Great, so we've got these two sides, okay? We've got Aaron and JJ, and we've got Ivan and Tinny. Now, I know that Ivan and Tinny are the pastors, but they're actually on, on the, the flesh side, and Aaron and JJ, are, they are our spirit, all right? So we've got a bit of wrestle going on. So on one side, these guys are pulling, okay? And, and then on the other side, the flesh, it's pulling back, and we've got this battle going on. And doesn't it just remind you in life that we, we're struggling? We want to, Jacob's struggling with this deceptive side. He's, he's been pulled to deceive once again, but on his spirit side, the spirit is battling, and the spirit is hopefully winning. What I want you to see in this moment is that it's, it's right here that this is the tension, yeah, right. right? So as these guys are pulling on each side, there's this tension going on in the middle. And I just wanna switch notes because I like wrote all these different things down. I don't wanna miss it. Um, now what happens is as these guys are pulling one way or the other, they're, they're getting stronger, right? Their biceps are growing, their muscles are growing. And, and because they're straining, there's, there's, there's this growth that occurs. And that's what happens in our life, in the middle of tension. If we wrestle and if we pull and we don't just let go, there's growth, there's development. 
and there's, there's perseverance that begins to occur. And, and some of the things that we see that, that develop in our lives is we're pushing this way, as we're pushing towards the Spirit, we're growing in prayer, we're growing in our, our knowledge of the Word of God, we're growing in wisdom, we're growing in faith, we're growing in the ability to hold on, we're growing in tenacity, there's this strength, there's this pull that's coming. And as long as we're focused right, which we'll come to in a minute, there's growth that occurs in the tension. And it's really important to know that because it's in the wrestle that Jacob realizes he's not just wrestling with a man, he's wrestling with God himself. He's meeting God right there in the middle. But what happens is, if we don't hold on, if we let go, then what's gonna happen? If these guys let go of the rope, suddenly they're not in the battle anymore, right? They've lost. They're on the losing side, sorry guys. And, and there's, there's, there's no more pull, there's no more tension, right? When we're, not, when we're not fighting in the middle, there's nothing that's growing, there's nothing that's developing. And if we let go, we fall away. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to go, you know what? I can't be bothered anymore, it's too hard. I've been in this tension too long, I just wanna let go, I just want relief. But what happens in that moment is that we, we lose. These guys have lost and these guys have won. We're on the losing side. Now the good news is with God, as long as there's breath in our body, we can always grab back a hold of this rope. It is never too late to grab a hold of the rope and as you reach out, God will reach right back. But we do lose a lot of ground in that process. We lose ground if we let go. But if we keep on wrestling and if we keep on straining, we keep on striving, then we start to build, we start to grow. And it's this tension point in the middle that if we, if we don't, if we wanna skip this step, we don't get what we need for our next season. Yeah. See, Abraham learnt that in the tension of, of believing the promise, holding on to faith, he'll learn obedience, he learnt trust, so when the test came and God said, hey, can you give your son Isaac back to me? There was no hesitation because he'd learnt what he needed. He developed in the tension everything that he needed to take a hold of the promise that God had for him. So it's in the tension that we grow and develop what we need for the next season, but we gotta hold on. We gotta hold on because if we let go, we're gonna lose. The other thing that we have to do is we have to focus. So we need to focus on this side, not this side. If we're focusing on God, if we're focusing on where God wants to take us, then we're gonna head the right direction. We're gonna be on the winning side. This is the winning side, sorry boys. But if we focus on this side, then these guys might gain a bit more momentum and suddenly we start being pulled to this side. You know, we get so consumed with what we're wrestling with, with what we're fighting with, with what, with what we want God to release us from or we wanna break through and, and I get that because I've been there, I'm so often there. But I heard a statement and it says, let your pursue be greater than your flee. We wanna focus on what we're pursuing, not what we're fleeing. Because if we focus on this flea, the, the, the problem is the pull can kind of head this way. But if we focus on what we're pursuing, then we head towards that. And in the pursuit, the, 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 the flea, the flea is, the, is the winning, right? We, we let go of the flea and we start to lose that and we start to gain momentum and we go towards the direction that God wants us to head in. Can we give it up for these boys? Thank you so much. It's so important that in the tension, we hold on. 
and that we allow that tension to drive us to Jesus, to drive us to our knees. God is working, it is not easy, it's not easy, it's exhausting, right? Sometimes that season of tension's long, it's hard, we're tired, we're, we're weary spiritually, emotionally, physically, it gets us down. But if we can understand the tension is key, the tension is development, the tension is, is getting our next, what we need now for what we're gonna need in the next. And then we learn to have that focus, we learn a couple of keys in the tension, God's gonna use it. God's gonna come through. And Jacob goes on, the story goes on with Jacob. I mean, tension doesn't, doesn't leave him completely, but in that moment, I knew this would happen. I just, oh, there it is, there it is, I can find it again. In that moment, um, Jacob actually, you know, because God touched his, his hip and he had that socket, um, his socket came out, he, he walked with a limp from that moment on. And sometimes in life, that can happen. We go through stuff, we live in this state of tension, we get disappointments, we get hurts, and we end up getting this limp. But that was the making of Jacob. Yeah. In that wrestle, he met with God. Yeah. God changed his name, gave him a new identity. He went from Jacob the deceiver, the schemer, to Jacob the man who wrestled with God and men and prevailed. His name literally means prince with God. And he's never the same. If you go through the story, you don't, you don't see the same deceptive side kind of coming out in Jacob over and over again. He's a different person from that moment. Yes, he walked with a limp. Yes, these things affect us. But I think the limp reminds us that we found God in the middle. It reminds us that we're not perfect, that we mess up, but God is faithful. In the tension, we develop. In the tension, we have to hold on. In the tension, we have to focus on the right side. Another statement I heard is that um, so often we want, you know, it's the, the tension of what we want right now versus what we really want. And what we want right now can seem so consuming and so overwhelming, but it's not actually what we really want. If we look long and hard, it's not what we want our end product to be. So we've got to hold on. We've got to keep that tension. We've got to keep on fighting. We've got to keep on believing. Well, Jacob goes on and um, he does reconcile with Esau. And then he, um, his wife Rachel dies and he buries her. Uh, and he has these 12 sons and we know the story. He has a favorite, Joseph. And his boys get very um, upset and angry. They don't like Joseph because he got the Gucci coat, right? He got the coat of many colors. <laughs> and um, they throw him into a pit and they actually sell him into slavery. And Jacob thinks that Joseph's dead. And so there's still this tension going on in his life. But he's learned now. He's learnt, and he's holding that tension because he's holding God as well. And um, the story goes on, of course, that through the course of events, the land is in famine, and uh, Joseph supplies his family with the grain, and he moves his family to Egypt, and they're all reconciled. Jacob sees his son again, and he actually sees his grandsons too, and he blesses them, and he lives to 147 years old. God does amazing things through Jacob's life. Here is a man who found God in the wrestle, and I wanna focus on that for a minute because the other thing that happens in the middle of that tension, in the middle of that wrestle, is that we do meet with God and there's a million miracles that go on. Sometimes we're so focused on the big miracle. We want the breakthrough, we want that moment where we finally get rid of whatever it is we're battling against. But it's in that middle part that God does so many little miracles that we can miss if we're not looking for them. You know, he supplies the person we need 
to make it through another day. He gives us the strength for each day and the hope for tomorrow. He opens doors, he closes doors. If we look in the middle, in the middle of that tension, God is very present and he is really working and there's so many miracles that happen along the way. This is the tension of life and it's something that I think God wants to continue to teach in us because if we don't understand it and if we don't learn to hold that tension well, then life becomes one big struggle. It becomes one big battle. And it is hard to trust God. It is hard to hold on. It is hard to have faith when we can't see the promises. But just remember, in those moments, God is working. God is developing us. All right, so Jacob finds strength in the tension. He finds God in the tension. The other thing I just wanna mention about Jacob is don't you think it's interesting that God refers in the Bible to I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? He doesn't say I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Israel is Jacob's good side. Israel is the guy, the guy that's the prince of prince with God that prevailed against men. Jacob is the deceiver, the schemer. He's the one with the problems. He's the one with the mess ups. He's the one that married the two sisters. This is Jacob. But God reminds us that I'm not just the God of your success. I'm the God of your mistake. I'm the God of your mess. I'm the God of your struggle. I am the God of tension and I am the God of Jacob. How encouraging is that? And all through the Bible, whenever we read that, we can remember God is not just the God of the great heroes of faith, but he's also the God of the ones that mess up but get back on track as well. I just wanna give a quick caution. In the wrestling, it's really important that um, it's okay to question and it's okay to ask why, it's okay to get mad and to cry, all those things, but we do need to have the right voices alongside us because the danger is that we can fall off that side. We don't wanna do that, so we have gotta have the right voices that keep us focused on the right side, that keep us holding on and that help us to make it through. Well, many years pass and Moses is born and this is a time when all the baby boys are being killed but um, Pharaoh's daughter adopts Moses and he becomes a, like a prince of Egypt but his people, the Hebrews, are, uh, are slaves there and he knows that he's called to rescue his people. So Moses actually gives up the pleasures of Egypt. He gives up all that Egypt offers him and he decides to align himself and live as the Hebrews would live. It's pretty incredible. Um, Exodus three verse six says, no, that's not the one. Uh, Anyway, he he does that. (laughs) And and, and God is well pleased with Moses. You know, he he decides to give up the fleeting pleasures of sin, I think the Bible says, and and he follows God and he aligns himself with the Hebrews. But this, um, he has a conflict of identity. He knows what God's called him to do. He knows that God has called him to lead his people out of Egypt, but he wrestles with who he is right now and what he does in the meantime. And he ends up getting himself in trouble. His anger got the best of him. He kills an Egyptian trying to help his people, the Hebrews, and so he has to flee for his life. And he goes to the desert, he goes to Midian, and he's actually there for 40 years. I, um, Moses, is in the middle of tension. He must feel like he's blowing it. He must feel like he's wrecked the call of God on his life. He killed a man and now he's stuck in the desert. And I'm sure he must wonder if that call is ever gonna come back. But it's again, in the middle of that tension, he's faithfully just serving God. He's away from everything, but yet God turns up 
right there in the middle, in the burning bush, and he encounters God again, and God calls him again back to his people, back to what he's supposed to be, and, and God, you know, and in the process of God calling him, um, Moses questions God, and he says to God, I can't, you know, I've, I've done this, and I can't speak, and this, that, and the other. And what does God say to Moses? If we read in Exodus 3, verse 6, he says to, he says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of? Right, he's reminding Moses in that moment, don't worry, I'm still the God of Jacob, Jacob, and I am your God too, and I'm gonna get you through this. And so he goes and he does, he brings his people out of Egypt, and we know the story, the, the plagues happen, he parts the Red Sea, but then he enters into perhaps an even more difficult state of tension. It's even harder than the first, because he, he um, has to, uh, he has to go through the wilderness with a bunch of complaining, difficult people who one minute love him and the next minute they wanna stone him, they wanna kill him. These people are the people that cost him his entry into the promised land when he got angry and he struck the rock twice. These people make him, I'm sure, lose his hair and there's so much tension that Moses has to face through the wilderness. He sends the spies out and only two of them have a good report so they're stuck back in the wilderness. There's all this tension going on that Moses has to balance and juggle somehow, and yet he finds God in that tension. He goes up to the mountain, he spends time with God, he gets the Ten Commandments, and God meets with Moses, and Moses is a friend of God. Moses knows God face to face. He has this incredible relationship. And then the thing is with Moses that he didn't actually get to enter the promised land. And this is the, the other tension I wanna talk about. You know, what happens when we don't quite get the dream that we hoped and that we planned for? This is Moses. Moses spends his life serving God and living in this tension, and yet he doesn't get to enter the promised land. But he meets with God, and I wanna read you the end of his story. It's in Deuteronomy 34 verse four, because it's so beautiful. It says this, then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I'll give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you'll not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord has said, and he buried him in Moab, he being the Lord. The Lord literally buried Moses and, um, in the valley opposite Beth Peor. And to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded. And since then, no prophet in Israel has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. What an end, isn't that inspiring? And you know, nowhere in the text do we read that Moses was even upset about not entering the promised land. I mean, I'm sure there must have been some wrestling, but maybe he um, knew what it was gonna take. Maybe he knew the conquest ahead and he was, he was okay with not entering it, but just seeing it with his own eyes. But what I find inspiring about Moses is that even though he didn't quite make it to the promised land, even though maybe the promise didn't quite play out as he wanted, even though his life was full of disappointment and frustration, 
Moses learned to live in that tension and he learned to find God. He developed in that tension. He developed in the wilderness, um, in the desert, so he was ready for the wilderness with the Israelites. And all along the way, God was faithful. He met with God. And he's one of the few leaders that handed over to the next leader well. And he left a legacy. He had a faith. And he decided early on that he was gonna follow God anyway. Whether the dream fully came to pass or not, he was gonna follow God fully. And even if that meant not entering the promised land himself, but he enabled and equipped the next generation to go in and take the land. And I think that's so inspiring. Um, Even if that's the kind of tension and faith that we wanna build in our own lives. And just one last example that I wanna touch on briefly, I'm not gonna spend long on it, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they also had the even if kind of faith. You know the story, these boys were exiles in Babylon and they wouldn't bow down to the golden image that the king had set up and so they were gonna be thrown into the fiery furnace and we read this in Daniel 3 verse 16, Nebuchadnezzar told them, hey, if you don't bow down right now, you are going into that fire and what do they respond? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. From it, He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up, even if you do not. But the story goes on, of course, that they're thrown into the fire. In fact, they fall into the fire because everyone that tried to take them up um, died in the process because it was so hot. And then King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire and he sees not just three men, but he sees four men. One other man that looked like the son of God and he calls them out of the fire. They come out of the fire. They are unharmed. They don't even smell like smoke. And not only do they change history because Nebuchadnezzar says, everyone must worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Not only that, but in the very last verse, it says that, in verse 30, it says, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the the province of Babylon. And I love this story because even if he doesn't kind of faith resulted in a whole nation having to worship God and they got promoted in the process. And I want you to know today that God doesn't want you to live in tension forever. That is not his plan. There is development in the tension. We can't skip that stage. We have to go through it. We need it. But that's not our destination. Every one of these Bible characters, if you look at the text, although they went through incredible tension, they got promises, they got promises, they got blessings, they got promotions. God did amazing miracles and amazing things through their life. And we don't read that they got to the end of their life and they were sad. We read that they got to the end of their life and they feel for fulfilled their destiny in God and they got before God and they didn't have complaints and they didn't have problems with how it was all played out because they knew God in the middle. They found God in the middle. They were able to hold on to the tension in the text, in the middle. And you know what? So often we want, if the, if the band could come, that'd be great. So often in life, we want the facts, right? We want the timeline. We want the 10-point plan of how God's gonna do it and how he's gonna deliver us and how he's gonna work it out and what's it gonna look like. But unfortunately, that is not the life that we're called to as Christians. Christianity is a life of faith and it's a life of trust. And we have to learn to be okay with unanswered questions 
It's okay, dig deep into the scripture, try your best to find the answers, but the reality is we're never gonna know all the answers in God, because he's God. And I always take such inspiration from a, a testimony that, that Dad shared a couple of weeks ago, it was a few weeks ago now, and he was speaking for someone, and it was a pastor, and, and the pastor's wife um, had lost her brother many years ago, and I think she had some questions around it, you know, as you do. And she had a vision of heaven, and she said that in that moment when she got to heaven, all the questions that she probably planned to ask God about why this and why did it happen this way and how come this and how come that, all those questions faded away. And she was with God in the presence of God and, and she had no questions. There were no questions to ask. And you know, that's gonna be us one day. We find ourselves in this place of tension we find these tests that feel unfair and we don't understand why. How can we trust a God when He doesn't deliver sometimes? How can we trust a God when we can't see how the promise is ever gonna be outworked? But I wanna tell you that there will come a day where we will stand before God and we won't have any questions because God is good and He's good all the time. He's good now. He was good back then, and He's gonna be good in the future. And we have to hold on to that in the core of our heart. We have to decide, are we gonna be, if you do Christians, or are we gonna be, even if you don't Christians? Even if you don't God, even if you don't, I'm still gonna love you. I'm still gonna serve you. I'm still gonna trust you. And I know that in the middle, you're working. You're doing something in my life. Jacob's wrestling with God was the making of him. It was the making of him. He was a different person from that moment on. Moses' time in the desert in Midian was the making of him. It prepared him for all that God had in store. This is the making of you. Your tension is your making if you hold on if you learn to let God develop you in the middle, if you focus your eyes on Him, it is the making. And so as you stand, I want you to know that when you wake up tomorrow morning and you've lost the Holy Spirit and Holy Moly is there, don't worry, don't worry. I want you to remind yourself, I don't have the answers to get rid of the tension, but I can tell you, that in the middle, God is working. God is developing you. And God will do amazing things in your life in this season. But we must hold on. We must stay strong. And we must keep focusing on God. It will be our making. And we do need to move to a place of Christianity where we can honestly say before God, God, I know You will. I know You're able. But even if you don't, even if you don't, you're still God. I can trust you. I can love you. I can hold on.